What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh, you're muted. You there? I'm here. Yo, what's going on? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Chilling, you know, just podcasting from my parents' place. Hey, could be worse. <sighs> yeah, I, I was uh, could be on the road with no phone and no way to get a hold of anyone. I was just telling my girlfriend right now um, that uh, I was like, okay, I was ready to go exactly at six. My great grandpa would be proud because my great grandpa, like my mom was telling me that like he used to like if he told people he's going to be there at six and he got there at 554. He would drive around the block for six minutes <laughs> and pull up exactly to be exactly on time. Yeah, like he like he was a real stickler for. And I think that's really funny. With I don't know, like, I mean, you gotta appreciate your own time because I do under I, and I do understand being early to not be late because that's usually me. Um, but then you know sometimes you're like, oh, I forgot to set something up real quick, or like, like even before. Uh, well, and there is like, such a thing as too early. Like, yeah, like, it's too early. In the then, business community, like, uh, if you're more than 15 minutes early, it's considered rude. Yeah, well, that was but, me. That was me earlier today at Sonic. I was like, yeah, I was like, there. I was there like a half hour early, and I just, I just let them know I was there. I was like, I know I'm early, so and they were like, yeah, you can just sit right there and wait, and and then I waited, and then came time for the interview, and then maybe like five or 10 minutes later, the interview. <laughs> you got the, you got the job. Uh, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I, yeah. Thanks. I start orientation on Monday. So. All right. That's the first uh, step to putting your socks on, right? Shine, tying your shoes correctly and uh, <laughs> yeah. taking care of the world. Yeah. I, um, are, are we recording already or it's recording? It's recording. Okay, yeah. So we're on the show. All right. Sweet. Sweet. Um, so I'm like, dude, we got some gold going already. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna miss out on this? And see, I came festive, dude. I'm on island time now. It's the weekend. Yeah, I'm wearing yeah. my Hawaiian shirt. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm cutting loose. I'm with my buddy Doug. This is good. This is good. Yeah. So, um, every for for pretty much every podcast episode that I've done, as soon as as soon as I start it, like since most of them have been face to face, but a lot of them have been on Zoom. Like the recording starts exactly when, um exactly when I start the thing or when, when we walk into the room, it's already recording. And so, there's, so there's no gold lost, you know, you got to yeah, collect no. all those gold coins like Mario and Luigi. We got to collect all those gold. coins. Oh, don't get me started on that. I'm Italian. And, <laughs> and, well, I, I mean, I have an Italian grandma, which is as Italian as most people get in this yeah. country. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm really upset about this new casting of Chris Pratt um, as Mario. Like, Burt Young is strange. Burt Young's still alive, dude. It's, it's a strange move. It was a strange. I mean, um, for the original movie, the two main dudes were Italian, right? John Leguizamo and um, uh, actually, I think John Leguizamo is Cuban, and Bob Hoskins is <laughs> British. British. Well, but is he Cuban? Those and guys Italian? are masters of the craft. <laughs> I would never consider Chris Pratt a master of the acting crafts. It, like. You know what? Honestly, I found out Jack Black is playing Bowser, and I'm almost more offended by that because, as a Bowser, as I a feel Bowser. like <laughs> I feel like I should have got some say in the Mario Brothers <laughs> casting of the role of Bowser. They I'm not saying just I gone through last names of anyone in the world, like oh Bowser. Here we go. <laughs> here yeah, we go. I wouldn't have put myself in the role. I'm not that greedy, <laughs> but you know, uh, I feel like a, a kickback is is 
is owed to me. Uh, also, on on a on a, the video game standpoint, anyway, I've never heard Bowser speak. Did Bowser speak in the old cartoon? Because I can't remember. He had to have. I didn't watch the old cartoon. I, I just remember. I just remember that in the video game, Bowser would just go, and then yeah. there was like subtitles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it makes sense because he's a dinosaur, but. You know, I should probably get a Bowser tattoo, huh? Yeah. And then people would go, why'd you get that? And you go, because my last name is Bowser. Well, because I already have a Bowser in old English tattooed around my arm. There you go. If I got the Bowser character above that. (laughs) Just right. Yeah, man. It's good to see you smiling and, and being happy, dude. I'm glad you got the gig, man. That's good, dude. Thanks. I mean, yeah, I, the, it's good. It's cool that I got a job because then I can work towards being independent and uh, getting out of my folks' hair. And then, dude, the I, time, I was in a real tough spot like that not long ago. Yeah. And then I applied for that gig at 7 Eleven that you saw me, mm-hmm, they used to come mm-hmm. into the 7 Eleven I worked in. Yeah, man. And then, uh, they had a good mix for their Mountain Dew. I remember. Yeah, um, you know what it was was uh, um, the one that used the Mountain Dew usually went in was I think the closest one to the main tap system. Yeah. So like it just it it directly shot in versus the other one <sighs> taking a second where you're kind of getting a little water with it. Okay. There was a less yeah, delay. I, I don't mean, know. I mean, that's my 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 JFK magic bullet <laughs> Daprooter film theory on the 7-Eleven Hyperion and Rowena oh, Mountain yeah. Dew situation. I did change those bags regularly, like you know. Uh dude, there's been there's been 7-Elevens where I go in and I'm like, I'm not getting the Mountain Dew in this one because it's like way it's just like not enough syrup coming through. And the when the mix is wrong you got to get out of there or just yeah. get dr pepper instead but no um some of them didn't even have mountain dew and i'm like what are we what, what game are we playing well, at? what is happening the, the thing is you can't control the mix flow on those things from the back like i can just put the bags in plug it in it's in the it's, front yeah it's in the front it's a screw turn yeah like yeah a, and then once i plug it in i just gotta hope the machine works and like mm-hmm. i can't grab one end of the hose and start sucking it through and going like all right come on get a little bit more syrup in here baby (laughs) it's the whoever it's whoever runs the pepsi truck knows how to yeah adjust it and maybe it's two screw turns because that one episode of rick and morty where where they're like and one screw turn and two screw turns and and then they blow up like after (laughs) the dude that'd be that'd be a fun uh fake business to start is uh pretend to be like pepsi uh and coke like repair guys and just taste all the seven. taste all of the no ones see, and then... steal from all the stores yeah, we're, we're gonna rob the place blind buddy this all is right. oceans this is oceans 15 <laughs> oceans 21 baby yeah no i i oceans dude. yellow seven Isn't it yellow no but seven? like i but what i did was i got that job and then uh i was able to save up and kind of uh get myself out here to vegas and honestly vegas was a train wreck for basically the first year i mean moving anywhere there's an adjustment period for sure like i i don't know i haven't told many people this but like i was i moved out here to basically like 
kind of start my own pool route as a part of my friend's pool company and i was gonna own that route okay and it was gonna be like under the business and all that and he ghosted me like three months in no and you were working and like everything was good and then just well, dude i was working for like nothing like 50 dollars a week just to what? give me some pocket cash I, I the whole point was i was training to learn the business and i was taking over yeah yeah I, I, I was gonna take over clients like on the west side the northwest side that he had because he it was too far out of his way because he's on the southeast side yeah and then i was gonna uh yeah i was gonna do that and then i had already signed up my own like i already started signing up my own people for it and uh. and then like yeah that fell apart and then I mean, I got lucky and was able, but like then COVID happened. <laughs> like, so like right when I was about to get hired, my current job. Ugh. So like I, it was like a 10 month process for me to get my current job after that fell apart. Yeah. And so it was, it was like a wild thing. And like, I'm lucky that last stimulus, that first stimulus check came in. Cause without that, I probably would have been fucked. Yeah. But like, because of that and like I did, I mean, I came out with like 12 grand saved up. Oh wow! Okay, so like that. I mean, that's not that nothing. Got, no, that's not enough. That's like that got me through. Like that's enough to buy land. That's more than enough to buy land somewhere. Well, that got me through my first year here, and now I'm. I I, I don't know. I like where I'm at. Uh, like basically got the job in last. Like I've been there now. Ooh, fifteen months. All right, cool. So like, what are you working that at all now again? Out. Dude, I work for a cannabis company out here. Oh, nice. Oh man. I, I, miss, I mean, like I said, I miss dude, my I miss my uh dispensary job. Shout out to California Cannabis Soto so location. I work at the cultivation for our cannabis. And we, nice. we my company does have a dispensary out here too. Yeah. But so, like, okay, so I had to establish like it's such a pain in the ass to work in cannabis here in Nevada like because it's so dry and like you just have to pay close attention or the, no the no the, the law the laws like like in california you can just get hired by someone bam you know you're on the payroll right yeah okay. here i had to well, first i went off, through three weeks of training and okay. then they were like all right we'll we'll give you a shirt officially now you're in and i was like okay all right now okay. no covid definitely fucked this up for me to a degree but like all right, so I had to establish residency and get my ID here. Oh, same with Just, same with Denver, Den or Colorado's that way. Yeah, you yeah. To, you so, have to get your med card, which is like a hundred bucks, and like. And I had already been in the process of getting my my license out here because, dude, my driver's license got taken away like ten years ago in L.A. Dude, I only LA, the last time I lost my license, I went to renew it, and they sent it to me, and it was just says identification card, and I'm like, what the mm -hmm. hell? So hey, why is that? Well, for me, I got a DUI and they, they <laughs> took my license and I just went to an ID because I was taking the bus. I at that point, I just was like, oh, I can bus in subway everywhere. Yeah. Fuck that. Like, I, I don't need it. And LA so and, and I didn't great. have a car anymore. So but I do have a I, I got a car now because, you know, my company was able to help me get a deal on one. So mm -hmm. praise the Lord, like things have worked out. But like, yeah, dude, like, um. The, the craziest thing was, so I had to establish residency and then you got to go through the fingerprint process and FBI background check, mm. but COVID hit. So all that shit was backed up and delayed. Yeah. So it took forever for my license to clear. So it's like, I technically got offered the position in February of 2020, 
like that was what, like the official like hey yeah you've applied yeah. or whatever like we want to hire you I, I didn't start until like the last week of june 2020 it was Whoa. four months of bureaucratic bullshit in the early days of covid Whoa. so and, and like and like it's even worse now because there's a backlog on all this shit yeah so it's like for people to like i have a friend that i've been trying to get in on here out here for like six months now and it's like it's i'm like i i'm trying but it's like literally hands are tied like dude and because he and he's originally from here born in vegas yeah so i thought it would be easier for him to establish reestablish the residency but you can't like it's it's dude because it takes at least like three months to establish that and get all the paperwork filed like it's so stupid that's that's wild i i mean to to one side i understand that they want to make sure you're there and you've been there for a minute and you're not going to go anywhere and on the other side it's like hey i just moved here i live here here's all the proof yeah here we go and that's not not enough one thing i've learned about las vegas is uh if you live here for a year the doors open up to you yeah you 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 have to be able to like you have to have like like for me i had the savings and like i i I recommend anybody out there listening that think about moving to vegas have a year savings built up because it can be rough that first year but once you're here a year and you've lived here a year people realize you're not going anywhere because so many people come here realize they can't hack it for two weeks and bail dude and so so many people get la i bet same with new york and chicago too where it's like if you if you're not ready financially it's going to chew you up and spit you out like la chewed me up and spit me out but it took a while like because yeah, yeah i had some i had some savings and and i kept getting jobs here and there and like um but then once once uh, the hard times finally hit it was like well i'm sleeping in my car well, like, and it's hard for in la for everybody i mean yeah there used to be like it's funny because all these guys that are like have been big for a while they don't like when they were coming up dude you could get commercial work and get by as a well, low-level still, person and you still you can still get commercial can, work and like, get by because but, it, wa- wa- okay i watch a if lot you of get sports. a national there, get there's a only commercials now basically doing live sports now that's where commercials have all gone because that's the only people still watching live tv well and stream and streamers i guess like, okay there's those, those commercials that come in yeah yeah those pay way less the ones that run live during yeah. like like big football games where 30 million Americans are watching or whatever, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. All right. So that, I mean, but like there's, dude, you watch these commercials or anything. I have a game on in the, in the, in the corner of my eye right now, dude, it's, it's during the game. So, but I'm going to watch the next commercial break. I guarantee you almost every commercial will be led by a celebrity. Like if they, yeah. they get, they all get celebrity pitchmen or it's like, uh, like flow from progressive where it's like, someone they've been hiring to do these things for so for goddamn long, long. yeah they are like you rarely see new blood like like matt champagne's an old buddy of mine and yeah i've noticed that like talking to him because it's like dude he's like i used to earn a decent mi- middle class living just you know commercial acting and now like the gigs are drying up and it's he's getting to the age where he's been around long enough and he's still got the same look at 50 that he did at 35 Okay. So it's like he can keep playing that same dad character for fuck for a while. Yeah. And it's not like that character's gone anywhere. It's just going to a celebrity now instead of a no-name commercial actor. Yeah. It's 
That's an interesting turn. I I don't like when like they like they after, need more money. <laughs> like after um, Mad Men happened and like that was on for all those years, and then everyone had watched it and kept watching it and keeps watching it. It blows my mind that Johnny M is on like commercials for stuff, and at the same time, I'm like, I get it because his character was doing that in the show but yeah. like but for i mean you know for- but i mean if you're like to me like if that if i had done a Mad Men run like that <laughs> and he had also done the town like some some pretty big movies yeah so, uh, whatnot during that like i would just go to new york and do plays for like two years like i got enough money to yeah, fuck around and just take, go like take breaks and stuff and like, yeah. but like, that's not even taking a break i'm just not going to make as much money yeah i'm going to work just as hard if not harder Breaks from some, commercials, breaks yeah, from like the big, dude, big, yeah. But like, dude, just go do plays. Like, if you really love acting, plays are where it's at. And like, if and you like, I mean, in LA, like a few, I, I, one of the last things I regret was not going to see Al Pacino at the Pasadena Playhouse doing oh. like American Buffalo. Like, and he was using the original cast on Broadway on that or off Broadway. Cool. Yeah. And like, like, and that's like, ah, oh, fuck, I could have gone and seen that. And that's like the OG David Mamet play. And like, I don't, I don't know. Like, like, but to me, like, if you're a serious actor and you have like that kind of crazy like TV series run and you've made millions off that, dude, go do like indie plays for like two, three years. Rediscover your roots as an actor or indie movies too, like stuff that yeah, yeah, anyone yeah, will pop, see. Like, uh, um, uh, Adrian Brody, like, was in the public eye for a really long time, but then also did indie movies where yeah. he's like maybe maybe not a lot of people are going to see this but this is something i really want to do because it looks really cool but see, like, really if you're coming cool. off a big series it's hard to just like translate it to be a movie star right away yeah so reinvent I mean, your reinvent your acting style uh, oh, there's only so many george clooney's right so then that's why one. you reinvent your style <laughs> yeah and his mom was rosemary Clooney. you know uh you reinvent your style doing plays and like that's the thing is if you're an la tv actor people will see you that for the rest of your life Go to New York, do some plays. Now all of a sudden, you're you got indie film appeal. Like then, then dude, then you go to Europe and do a movie there. That's the yeah. move. <laughs> and all I've just it, laid like... out a fucking fictional career for a person <laughs> that doesn't exist, and <laughs> you know, God bless them for for for, they for did trusting my my guidance. They're this. doing it. They're finally doing it. Um, so how long, uh, I mean, I've been failing at stand up for 14 years. How long, how long have you been doing it? Well, I haven't done stand up in like four years. So I've been, it's been a while for me too. I mean, but- uh, I, that's, my mind's intentional. I, I didn't like, uh, it was making me miserable mm-hmm. and, uh, I was like, I'm going to take a few months off and then my happiness improved so much <laughs> and I realized I can still be funny. I just come on podcasts like yours. I, I do a podcast. I, Going on all my friends' shows, and I plug can your, plug see. your podcast real quick. Uh, it's called the Luck Stops here with Scott Bowser. It's about my degenerate lifestyle here, and it's a it's an ode to degeneracy, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I I first started doing stand up though in like two thousand six, two thousand seven or so, yeah, around there. But I started doing sketch at iOS. All right, in like two thousand RIP. Yeah, so. I was uh, a sketch writer and sketch performer. Like I wanted to be one of those guys, just like a like a sketch dude. Yeah. Mister Show was my jam, mm. and so that's I, I my my buddy told me uh, he had been doing the Second City writing program, 
And he told me about one of his teachers there who was really cool, Michael McCarthy, who last year passed away of cancer and amazing guy, huge influence on me and so many other people. When he died last year, it was crazy. I didn't realize how many friends of mine in the LA comedy scene, we were all his students at one point or another. It was Whoa. insane. I didn't realize how many of us had studied under him. And like, I never did his full program. I never did the sitcom class, but I did the late night show writing and the sketch class. But from those classes, like he was doing them out of his house in Silver Lake. <laughs> so you'd come to his living room and he would have a little snack tray. We would do these like three, four hour writing classes. And then like halfway through, we would take a little snack break and people would smoke cigs or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it was always a really, really fun vibe. Uh, he, he, dude, he was like, and I know I'm 42 now. I realized like I was 23 at the time. He was like my age now. And like he, he's the only guy to have ever written for Saturday Night Live and Sesame Street, which is Ooh, a very cool, very interesting credit. But he was an old Second <laughs> City guy, and from Chicago, and like came in through that pipeline. And the old he wrote for like the Eddie Murphy years, like the oh like, nice like the Billy Crystal years, yeah. Mister Robinson's so, Neighborhood. But he picked me, my friend Tom Beecher, who got who was the Second City guy who got me into writing for the right into this writing class told me to take this class with them yeah and then uh ed galvez i don't know if you know ed stand up uh uh he hosts uh, he hosted the punk house in santa monica for years he's one of my best friends and then uh yeah. this guy hal lublin i don't know if you know how uh -oh. okay he's like a big podcaster now i think he's even got a blue check mark oh, <laughs> get that check you get the but checks out of those classes he picked the four of us to write for a new sketch show he was starting it ended up becoming big news which ended up becoming top story weekly and okay. uh that's where i got like so i was writing for that weekly where we would have a pitch meeting tuesday night and then uh we would pick the sketches tuesday like they'd pick the sketches and then we'd do a rewrite yeah and then have a read through friday afternoon and rehearsal and then friday night was the show well I mostly wrote like monologue, like stand-up jokes for it, for like yeah. the new, like the like the weekend update portion. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh man, I should be doing, I should be the one telling those jokes. Like, I, <laughs> and then I got picked to be a cast member, and occasionally I I did get to tell those jokes. Nice. But I always felt like my the best jokes I wrote went to someone else, mm. and I was doing someone else's joke. Yeah. When I wrote a lot of the jokes for the sequence, I just. And like, well, like, that's part of the freedom that comes with stand up where exactly. if you find if you find the the niche that like like every everyone's got a voice. And once you find that voice on stage, like Alan Strickland Williams, for example, wonderful joke writer. Every joke is like hits really hard. And it's like, you know, it's like set up punch and like maybe a little bit of sprinkled like extra detail. And um well, to me, that's it. Details always the key thing in stand up. Yeah. Like, I mean, and the, have you ever heard the Colin Quinn? The have you ever heard the Colin Quinn Seinfeld story? Uh, no. Because right, I always think this is like the best joke writing lesson anybody will ever get, where it's like Colin Quinn had this joke that was doing okay. And part of the punchline was fucking a dog. Right. Okay. And Seinfeld, like who's a squeaky clean comic, yeah, comes up to him and is like, hey, dude, don't say fuck my dog say fuck my golden like my uh i think it was german shepherd yeah fuck my german shepherd hmm. and it's like you add that just extra so now people get that little visual you of think of which a german kind of dog yeah. yeah you know and it's just 
and the joke becomes that more, more, more rich and more. So it's like every chance you get, that's why I like, uh, Mr. Obie and I, we did that sketch album a couple of years ago and it took us a few years to do, cause we just did it. Like we'd work on it for a few weeks and then take off for a yeah. few months yeah. and then go back and forth. We finally released it. I'll dude, send me your address, like text it to me or whatever later. And I'll, I'll mail you a free cassette copy of it. Okay. Um, but like, Wait, this is one VHS? of those, uh, no, 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 just a regular cassette, <laughs> okay. like regular, cassette. but it's on YouTube and Spotify and everywhere. So you can stream it now It's called the misadventures of frequency four. Okay. We got a lot of fun friends to come in and do voices on it. But like the, the thing was like, this is like the last thing, like hardcore comedy thing. I Cause mostly I just do like degen gambling shit now for podcasts. <laughs> so, but like the last like comedy project I did was this. And it was me like kind of going back to my roots of being a sketch guy originally. Yeah. And, and I, 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 well, I always leads, will love that format. Like, that leads, that leads me into my next question, which is uh, what's like something that you want to do that you haven't done yet or, and it doesn't have to be just one thing, but like, and dude, I've always wanted to be more involved in music. Okay. Uh, I played bass and trombone, even a little clarinet growing up. Nice. Which, and, which of the three uh, do you feel most comfortable with? Bass? Probably the trombone. Trombone. But... Nice. Dude, let's uh, start a ska band. I've always, <laughs> dude, I used to say that to uh, people in LA all the time, and they'd be like, because like Matt Champagne plays sax. Okay. Uh, I, like, play, I, mean, I, I live in Vegas guitar. now. You live in YouTube. I don't know if we could get this together. Um, multi-state operations. Hey, you know, Vegas has a lot of openings for, for um, acts. There's actually a cool punk scene here. Okay. And ska is like adjacent kind of on the adjacent. peripheral yeah yeah, yeah less yeah. than jake real big fish like the and uh let's see well, you know who i loved growing up with the voodoo glow schools because they were basically a, so they, they turned it the other way where they were a punk band with horns yeah punk instead of horns. being a scon band ska band that kind of flirted with punk like, dude there's rx bandits which is like they yeah i know them they like started off pretty third wave ska and then it was like ska punk so and my like friend punk with horns sometimes and then it was like progressive and like experimental my friends were in a so band much. during that time and they played with a lot of those bands you speak of oh cool like and um do you remember my superhero yes and mustard plug and like okay my superhero <laughs> my buddy my good buddy james salamoni and then my best friend from kindergarten chris bibbins he ended up being their drummer and James was their bass player for a while nice. on, on a tour them, and stuff. Yeah. I saw them play one time. They played they they and the hippos opened for the aquabats. Uh I've seen the hippos several times with them. Oh, like, the hippos are so they, they were they're in a band called Kind. I used to see them with the hippos quite a bit. And I remember <laughs> seeing uh they were the middle band where the hippos were the opener. Yeah, they were the middle band and then the alcoholics. And I don't know if you're familiar with the alcoholics, the hip hop uh -uh. group. They're like mm -hmm. a Dude, a great West Coast hip hop group from the '90s, but it was like such a fucking like diverse lineup that night. But it was like I was a huge alcoholics fan, <laughs> and so I was like, I can't believe my friends are opening for these guys. Like this is fucking awesome. Like, do, do you remember when the hippos bro they broke up, but they had all those songs recorded from? Their no, I just upcoming... knew them from like the late, like the like from like '96 through like '98, '99 when my friends had that band active. Yeah, they had so they had two out. They had um, the first. So I would just see them hanging out at shows. Remember Zebrahead? Yeah, me uh, and a bunch of the guys yeah. from my old neighborhood. We almost we got on a. It was about to be a big brawl with us and Zebrahead. Did Zebrahead turn into the movie life, or am I thinking of a different band? 
Oh, they they did something like that. Yeah, like they ended up becoming kind of big, but almost fought those guys. I have a like, dude, yeah, that was a wild time because I was like the fr- and I was the friend, and I would come up and sing like a couple songs with them. Like there was a couple of songs that nice. we, would do. we would cover "Gratitude" by the Beastie Boys. Okay, and then uh, occasionally would do like a Minor Threat song with them. Nice, dude. Oh man, I've seen so many shows. Did you ever hear of a, a local San Diego band called Get Back Loretta? I have heard of them. Wow, because not not a ton of people have, and I saw, I, I don't like, know them, but like I've seen them on flyers, and you know what I'm saying, like yeah. So yeah. I'm not familiar with their work, but I Dude, know they I, exist. I saw them like a few times, maybe like three or four times, and I had had a connection with the lead singer because the lead singer was friends with a guy who I was staying with, and um. Then after seeing them like three or four times, maybe five times, they didn't make me pay anymore. They were just like, oh, Doug, <laughs> Doug's here. Come on. And then uh, that's cool. Man. And I and I was in a habit of like counting every show that I went to. And like I was journaling a lot. And but also I kept like ticket stubs. And occasionally when there was no ticket stub, I'd be like, all right. But I write it down anyway. And um, after seeing Get Back Loretta 50 times, I stopped counting. I was like, all right, well, yeah, I've seen them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I did uh-huh. lights for them a couple times. Like one time their, their, their light guy didn't show up and they were like, hey, Doug, uh, our person who's doing lights didn't show up. Do you want to do them? And I was like, I don't know anything about lights. And they go, you'll, you'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, dude. No. Like, and and yeah. you know what? Dude, that's how like, like. And I think more comics should be like bands are so good involving their fans and what they're doing. Yeah. But comics are horrible at it. <laughs> they're always like, Oh, fuck off. Like uh, <laughs> I won't even acknowledge your reply to me on Twitter. It's like, no dude. Like these are the people like building your career, like yeah. engage with there them could, a little bit. There could be more plants. There if you engage with them plants. a little bit, you'd have 10 more people getting involved. Like I see it sometimes on Twitter, but like, okay, we're all Every single one of us is guilty of it too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, when someone's like, "Oh, you saw my tweet," but you, you, you just gotta like yeah. not pay attention. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Uh, no, uh, okay. You know, it's like it's funny because you mentioned bands and stuff. Because like, I haven't been to any good shows in a while, obviously with COVID and everything. Um, yeah. But dude, like, I did discover a new band during COVID. And I don't know, it's Ooh. new to me, but they've been around. Have you heard of That Handsome Devil? Uh-uh. Dude, they're awesome. Like, once, once we're done recording, like, they're on Spotify, YouTube, everywhere, you know, just, like, check out their... Dude, they have, like, this one song, Junkies in Love, that I... It's, like, a love anthem for, like, two heroin addicts slobbering on each other. Okay. And I fucking love it. Like, these guys are so dark and weird and cool. Like, I'm like, I, I want to go see their next show. Like, next time they're in SoCal... Vegas. I might even go as far as going to Denver to see them. Like, hmm, nice. I, well, I, I've discovered Southwest flights that are super cheap. Yeah. Shout out to Southwest. Hey, Southwest uh, Airlines, if you want to give uh, give us some discount codes or some free flights, hook, yeah. hook it up. Hey, Southwest. I, actually, I just took a free flight from them a couple weeks ago. I love but that you, was Southwest on, Airlines. That, that was my buddy Sean Green's. Uh, <laughs> frequent flyer miles that i got hooked up with on a flight because yeah i went to surprise my brother it was the 25th anniversary of our dad's death i'm gonna bring it down a notch no <laughs> uh, 25th anniversary and sean hooked me up with some miles to come out and surprise visit my brother at the ucla lsu game yeah fucking epic like that was one of the coolest things i've done in a while 
and it took like a CIA level operation mm-hmm. to surprise my brother at the tailgate party mm-hmm. and have him not know I was going to be walking. And like I had to like I could only trust two friends. I had to swear to secrecy because I had to have a point man on the inside to let me know where they were. The whole thing. <laughs> no phones. Yeah. But I did it. And my brother's the look on his face. We haven't seen each other in like three years. And that's as long as we've gone without seeing each other. Right. We were really, really close growing up. We shared a bedroom. And I always say if you share a bedroom with a brother growing up, you either love each other to death or hate each other with a passion. <laughs> there's like there's no in between on that. Like, yeah. And we, yeah, we, we fought thing. so much, me and my brother <laughs> growing up. What were you gonna say? We oh we fought too, but like I don't know, it was, it was you know, and like maybe there's I was I'm the older one, so maybe there was a couple times I was too rough on him or whatever. <laughs> but like, I, I all in all, dude, we have the best relationship ever. Now we're in a high stakes fantasy football league together this year. Okay, so. okay. So uh, that's we a lot split of time. And that's a lot. It's a lot of texts per week, and it's a mm. great excuse for us to stay in touch during the week. So. Did you? Uh, I mean, you must have watched the league when it was on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pissed. I was never on it, dude. <laughs> like they should have had me and Sean Green on there at one point, dude. Come I'll on. talk to Mark Duplass and see if we can can get you on the revival. Are Would they you... doing a revival? No, no, no. I was just. <laughs> um, they should because fantasy's changed a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. kind of want, honestly, okay, so two weeks ago was the week one of NFL and a bunch of my fr- like gambling podcast friends and stuff came out because I've been a contributor on the sports gambling podcast for, since they started 10 years ago. Okay. It's like the 10-year anniversary, big week one NFL party. But part of it is uh, Sean Green, comedian. I think you know Sean, right? I've, I think I've seen him yeah. uh, do Meltdown. He used to host the show at Rafa's and stuff too with okay. Cornell and Paul. Right. And, and so, so, uh, but Sean's like one of my best friends. Like, dude, like he's always had my back and hooked me up with random shit. Like when I did not expect it, hmm. it always saved my ass. Right. Yeah. And then Kramer, Ryan Kramer is his co-host. And I met, there used to be roommates. So I met Kramer through Sean and like, I go way back with these guys. Yeah. So Kramer and I did a fucking high stakes best ball draft for, this is going to make you shit your pants, but dude, it's $1,250 a team. And, wow, and, that was the buy-in. So every yeah, how many so it's twelve teams, it? twelve. Twelve, that's a lot of money. Yeah, there's a lot of money on the table there. It's like a dude, it was fourteen thousand. And no, I told, I 12. told Kramer, I was like, hey, I just want to sit in on with you the draft tomorrow. <laughs> well, well, could I buy us? I'm all, I don't have the money you have, but could I buy a small percentage of your team because I'm going <laughs> to sit at the table with you? I want to feel in on it, you know. Yeah. So by the time we left, I ended up with a twenty percent share because I felt so confident on the on the team Whoa. we drafted. I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I got this. And like, I was like this close to going just full halves on it. Like, just like fuck Ooh. it. I I got like, you know, I got crypto I can burn. Fuck this. Let's. Just, but like, dude, shout like, out to Ethereum. Yeah, Ethereum. Dude. I'm staking mine <laughs> in Ethereum too. <laughs> dude, say I have a small stake in Ethereum too, and then I'm like, oh, I can't sell. Any That's good though, right it, now because it's it forcing it, you to earn interest. It's accruing the interest. Yeah, it's like five yep. percent right now. And I'm like, I just well, Kramer and uh, Sean, they're in a one ETH league for fantasy football this year, or it costs one, one ETH. Whoa, to get in. That's a lot of money. I know, but three, those guys three grand, uh, three something yeah. grand, almost four grand now. Yeah, yeah, it's like thirty-two, I think, right now. I checked right before we started. Whoa. But uh, no, so I sat at this fucking 
big takes best ball thing. And they serve you a fat breakfast spread. It was really cool and stuff. Yeah. Like it was like a conference room in Vegas. Like you feel like super official. But like, dude, like one dude, like the second it started, he was like the number five slot, just got up and walked out. And we were all like, it's a one minute clock. So once one someone goes to decide whether one or minute, not you're gonna be in on it, or? you have one minute to get your next pick in. And in these drafts, like especially these high stakes ones, people know who they like the first like 25, 30 picks. They go really yeah. fast. Yeah. Because everybody knows it's like I have this board and all the boards are pretty similar. And so it's going down the line. Yeah. And so it gets to this guy's pick. They wait out the full minute and they skip him. You go to the next guy, he comes back and causes a whole scene. And this is my first and like I just oh, I thought you meant he walked out like he was like I'm done I'm no he here. walked he just walked out he came back he's like I forgot my cheat sheet that they give out at the front it's like dude <laughs> but like I like I said I just wanted to sit down at the table at one of these things I yeah. wanted to see what the vibe was like and like I swear I can make a movie on this dude because it's like <sighs> it's such a weird subculture of yeah. these high stakes fantasy players where these aren't most people know fantasy football from shows like the league yeah. or for, they, they're in a work league. They're in a league with their friends, yeah. Yeah. Their, their, their family and casual, friends. pretty casual. It's very yeah. cat, but this stuff's like super high stakes. Like, wow. Like, like you said 1250 buy-in 1250 buy. Well, the, the main event there is two grand and wow. the top three, the top three in this one I'm in with my friend get a main event free next year. So we're hoping 14. to get a free main event. That's like fifteen or sixteen thousand dollars, huh? If you win. Well, the first place gets eighty five hundred, and okay. a free main and a free main event entry for the next season, <laughs> that, which is worth two grand. <laughs> Second place gets thirty five hundred and a main event. Third place gets a main event. Oh man, I I mean, that's so interesting to me too because like. I don't pay that close attention to sports in general. Like if there's a game on, I'll watch it and like, I'll enjoy it. And I'm, you'd probably I'm like be the, a fantasy football God just because you do not know or care. Just like, you oh, could probably yeah. set lineups like a wizard because <laughs> you, you're not overthinking it. Like all us nerds I just bluff it, my way through it. I'd be like, well, yeah. they have a lot of uh, runs. Like, I don't know, get them. Or they have a lot of yardage. <laughs> I don't know. Get them. <laughs> and, um, but I, I feel, I would feel more confident rather than high stakes you honestly fantasy? honestly right there though what you said right there what? they get a lot of when you said runs you meant touches and yardage <laughs> did you meant yardage yardage and guess what you already understand fantasy football <laughs> <laughs> oh at the end of the day it's all about yardage that was a, that was a bit that they would do on harmontown all the time well <laughs> but like the one me and my brother are in it's only 350 bucks per team so we split that 175 each but yeah. uh the grand prize is ha a half a million because it's a Whoa. it's it's like a tournament so it's a it's a bunch of 12 team leagues all yeah. competing against each other for a huge pool overall and then it's, so it also involves like multiple players from multiple teams right you're not you're not putting yeah. all your eggs in one bat one team. oh no no i mean some people do though you always love it when wow. you're in one of these drafts and you see a guy and I do a lot of what's called best ball drafts. Okay. Where you just draft a team um, and then you forget about it. Huh. Like you, you can't pick anybody else up for it. You can't drop anybody. It's just that's like the that's the get. team. And then you get. don't have to set the lineup for it. Whoever gets the most points at each position for you, that's what you get credit for. Okay. You don't even think about it. And then so when you and then if like they win the Super Bowl, then you're like, 
ching. Well, because like I, I do these high, higher stakes leagues, right? But then I was like, uh, I used to do mock drafts for them. But the problem with mock drafts is most people just want to do their first three picks and go on auto draft. Uh-huh. You don't get a real judge of how people pick yeah. in the late rounds. And then I discovered $5 best ball where I can put $5 in, win 50 bucks at the end of the season and practice drafting for the next couple hours. Mm, there was a, that reminds me of something uh, non-sports related, Dungeons and Dragons, where the first time I ever played, like the friends that we played with had uh, had this program on their computer and it was like, okay, choose your character, what what race, what class, like blah, blah, blah. And then there's like a lot of stats where if you're rolling the dice, it's fun because you're like, whatever comes up, comes up. And then you pick the three highest numbers and then that's your stat. But if you just auto roll it, then it's like, well, what are we doing here? Like, do we even care about the game or are we just like yeah, playing no. just to play? And like, I feel, no, I feel it on no auto draft. Like, no, I don't want to auto draft anything. I want to. I want, I want to roll the dice. I want to play. I want game. to see how everybody values every player. Yeah. Cause that's like, well, so this, this football guys thing and me and my brother and it's 500,000 to the, the grand champion at the champions league final, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's like 3.7 or 3.2. I can't remember what it is in total prizes. So even if, if you win the toilet bowl league, it's still like three grand Whoa, for five so dollars initial. No, 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 no. That's 350. That's, that's 350 bucks to get in. Oh, okay. I'm going to get a beer out of my fucking uh, fridge here <laughs> okay. and I'm going to keep everything plugged in while I do it. And it's a real feat of strength. I'm doing. Um. So man, that's crazy. Fantasy leagues. I mean, I get it. I understand the appeal. I just, I think I would do better at Texas Hold'em because, <laughs> like, cause I can read people and I know pretty much like what, what the what i have and what it's worth but okay my headphones unplugged there so i kind of missed that because but it went to the straight speaker on my uh mixer so i kind of heard oh okay i was just saying rather than fantasy sports i think i would do better at um texas hold'em like just oh yeah dude i mean high high or low like i think whether like just wherever you're playing whatever you're playing it's all it's all the same at the end of the day. You just got to know what the cards are and what they do, and like, and okay. you have to have the bankroll to be able to sit there, and like, because you're and gonna get runs or, of bad cards, yeah, and you're hold gonna get runs of hot cards. No when to hold them, no when to fold them. <laughs> yeah, the great Kenny Rogers taught us the whole guidebook. But no, like the thing is, like, with like, if you're gonna be like, I've thought about I could become a pro poker player. I, I I've thought this a million times because like. All I got to do is go down to like the hardcore spots on the strip. Yeah. Like the, the hot, like the MGM, like the, the fancy boy, like frat boy spots. Yeah. Go there on Friday and Saturday nights between the hours of two and 6 a.m. When all the frat boys are leaving the clubs, leaving this, leaving that. And they just want to sit down somewhere and play for a little while. Yeah. They're not really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just sitting there, bam, playing my, but the thing is, is like, with, I mean, I'm a sports handicapper. I like to fuck around with the horses, but like I've, I am a sports handicapper. So I have a bankroll that I have set up. I have yeah, no more a certain no unit. This I play so this many, like, and sometimes I really like a game. Maybe it's a 10 unit play for me, but I have my smallest unit, which is two bucks, you know? And yeah. sometimes I do a half unit play. I play, do $1 on some stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like, I, I get my 
toes in every pot. I start treating it like the stock market. Like I'm building like a hedge fund, you know, and I have like so much action on this, so much action on that. Um, fucking a, uh, I have a uh, Liberty here where they scored right away at the half. And that, that, that mattered big to me and Liberty. Do I agree with their politics? Do I agree with the Falwell family that founded them? No, but do I like their football team? Yes. I can separate the art from the artist. <laughs> but, but like, but like, I know I can sit there. The way I look at my bankrolls, I can always sit there and do a hundred bets in a row and lose them and still have money to go. And that's yeah. how you have to be if you're a pro poker player. Yeah. You have to know that you, you're going to go on those kind of, and you're also going to go on the kind of heaters where you're just insanely hot forever. Yeah. And, and but the thing is, is like, when I say a hundred bets, you're never going to lose a hundred in a row. Yeah, but you need to be set up for that worst case scenario to yeah. keep your role going, to keep the thing going, and yeah. make sure. And then you also need to constantly reinvest in the bankroll, so you're upping your minimum bet each time. And you keep it. That's and that's how you become a professional gambler, which is really what I've been trying since I was 12 <laughs> years old. I'm 42 now. My grandparents first took me to the track when I was fucking 12 huh. and got me hooked. Like it was because I won. I won that day and yeah. I got to keep all my winnings. <laughs> like my grandparents didn't ask for a cut because we fronted you up front. I was like, nah, keep it all. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, I'm great at this. <laughs> and then my grandpa gave me money when the first time I went on a cruise, my uh, mom and her brother and stuff. I was like, uh, and my grandpa gave me a hundred bucks. He's like, and I was I wasn't even 18 yet. You only need to be 18 to gamble on a cruise. I was still 17. Yeah. But me at 17, I already had chest hair and a fucking full they beard. Didn't check you, no. They didn't check me. And so, uh, yeah, I, I won. I took that hundred bucks and I ran it up to like 380 or something like that. Nice. Two, yeah. And I remember coming home and fucking just throwing that hundred back at my grandpa and then showing him the rest and being like, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, no, 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 you keep that hundred too, man. Like that dude, you earned that shit. You earned like, it. You did it. And he's like, you proved you can gamble. And, <laughs> and like, I would basically, like, and then when I came out to Vegas for the first time on my 21st birthday, I lost like 600 bucks in like four hours. Oof. And then my grandparents Venmo or Western Union me, the, the original Venmo, like 200 <laughs> bucks just to get me through the rest of the weekend so I can keep drinking and hanging out. With my, I mean, it was my yeah. birthday and my friends were buying me drinks and we had a bunch of cocaine. So it was like <laughs> <laughs> we were going to be good no matter what. And also, if you're listening now, don't do cocaine. Place with fentanyl, most likely. It's bad. Yeah, what in the world? 20 years ago, it was a lot of fun. Now, it's not cool. If you know your grower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's Always trust your deal. But that's like weed, too, is like you got to either know where it comes from, make sure it goes through all the proper channels, or just like know, know the grower and then just like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because. Man. But like my grandparents had to send me that 200 bucks because they are the ones who corrupted me when I was 12. <laughs> so and like, so it's like, this was our fault. <laughs> yeah. Cause by the time I was 18, not only did I have a bookie, I was working part time for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who to blame. Maybe the, what was it? Like the New York jets or the something or Mr. T. Wait, yeah. Yeah. Wait, you you bet on, you bet on the fight in Rocky three and you bet against Rocky. You know what? 2020, my friend. <laughs> you know what's great about that? Huh. Have you? When's the last time you watched Rocky Three? You know I haven't seen the Rockies or the Rambo's. Okay, okay. Well, can I spoil alert on Rocky Three? Uh, there's two fights, right? Yeah, Mr. T whoops him the first time, and then he's <laughs> got to beat him in the second one. So that means 
Chevy Chase's character, and we're talking about dirty work here. Yeah. He actually, in the middle of a movie, found a bookie to take action on the second fight in Rocky Three. That's some incredible level of degeneracy. Like, you know, like, like when you sent me like the prep question kind of thing, like, like, oh, like, uh, how long have you been in your career? Well, my career is being a degenerate. And I've been doing that for 30. I started when I was 12. I'm 42 now. Uh, I've been doing it 30 years. And I'm going strong. I remember like my, my it was like my, my grandpa's 70th birthday. Yeah. yeah. I was 16 years old. Right. And one of my good friends, Elena, who's married my friend Tom now. Shout out and, to Elena uh, and Tom. And Tom is the one who got me. I, I, I say that because Tom's the one who got me into the comedy originally. Okay. And like I've been friends with them since junior high. And, uh, and so it was Elena's birthday, it was six, like her 16th birthday. And I was like, but I had to go to my grandpa's 70th birthday that day at the track. And I won like 70, 80 bucks. Nice. And I remember showing up to like a theater kid party, a high school theater kid party, and realizing how much different I am than those kids. And it's like, <laughs> I got a bankroll from picking horses all day. And I've been doing this since I was 12. What the fuck did you jagoffs do today? Like... <laughs> <laughs> nothing we did nothing oh yeah oh, you made oh you made you made her a craft <laughs> and maybe smoked some dirt weed no i didn't even do that <laughs> and, and yeah so like i don't know i kind of always felt like i was one of those kids like i just i like lived like an adult when i was young yeah and so like like it, like seeing other kids like i was just always like i remember going to the track with my grandparents all weekend and then coming back to school on Monday morning, being so depressed and just be looking at all the kids like they're all a bunch of fucking suckers, dude. Like they don't they didn't understand how easy it was for me to pick winners this weekend. Like, oh, and I do. Man. I just have a fucking gift for horses, man. I do. Yeah. Like I, eventually, dude, I almost got ASW. You brought him up. Yeah, I, I was trying Me and him were going to go in on a uh, Ethereum based digital horses. And like I I I had like I don't know I had a few hundred bucks in Ethereum that I was like trying to fucking start a stable with, and we were about to go in on it, and then we both realized it's stupid. We should just stake it. It'll probably be better use for our money long term. Yeah. But I was like, dude, like because it's it's like NFT horses that are all like fueled by Ethereum, <laughs> and like it's the dumbest. It's literally the dumbest shit ever. Dude. But I'm a huge degenerate, and I've always wanted to own a racehorse. Yeah. So, like, I'm willing to, like, really struggle for a month to own a $300 fucking digital racehorse that loses every time. The thing with NFTs, though, like, that's super um, risky, riskier than even betting on imaginary currencies is that, like, the NFTs, if the server ever goes down, if the website ever goes down, the NFT is gone. Like no matter what, like you bought it and it lives on that server. If the server goes down, the NFT. Yeah, did I not say I like to gamble? (laughs) (laughs) Have I not made that clear enough at this point? No, but the the whole idea of the NFT is that you own it, and so if you own it, then you it shouldn't be able to go away. But it's like I guess maybe if you got your own server, and like yeah, you can back this, like had your own nfts on there then you could uh, i'm not that smart of an internet guy but there is like ways like tunnel like the coding from one thing to another like yeah like a friend of mine a friend of mine had his own server one time and we were playing 
I think we were playing Minecraft on it and we just didn't have to pay anyone because it was like, yeah, I'm we can just use our own server. We're using mods and it's all on PC. So like you buy the game, you have it, and then you can just like hook up to, okay, we're going to, this. here's the here's the code for the room. Look, dude, me and my buddy, I was telling my buddy, okay, here's a billion dollar idea for anybody listening. It's a fucking 10, dude, hundred billion dollar idea. Fuck it. Hold it. No, 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 no. I'm gonna tell it because like <laughs> I, I, I can't do it. And if someone's listening to this and does it, throw me like a million. That's cool. And throw me half a million for yeah. And throw the <laughs> no, throw Doug ten million. It's his show. So, so like okay, you know the old have you heard of the old like the numbers racket like the old timey fucking gangsters like hey they're running the numbers over there. Yeah, I don't know what it means, but I okay. get it. The numbers was basically just an illegal lottery. Uh, okay. And usually it was a three number lottery. They would pay out like 600 to one, 700 to one if it was a good bookie. Mm -hmm. But like, so think about this. How many uh, combinations are there of three digits, Doug? Can you tell me that right now? Uh, hold on. So there's three, one, there's one. three times it's, it's 1,000. It's 1,000. <laughs> it's 1,000. Like, there's only there's, there's zero zero zero. There's nine nine nine. Yeah. And in between that, that's one thousand possible combinations that exist. Okay. okay. So, what they would do is usually it would be like the local racetrack, like the total handle that the track would take in for money on the day. Mm -hmm. The last three digits of that, which would always be like the pennies, the cents, the ten cents, and then the, the dollar amount, like that would be the num the, the winning number for the neighborhood. There'd be like illegal bookies that would go around and collect these lottery bets throughout the week. Yeah. And then on Fridays, like handle, or they would use like the stock market ticker. The final three numbers of the, the final day on, wall, on, you know, Friday's Wall Street. That's the number for the week. Uh. So it was a number that was incorruptible that they knew couldn't just be manipulated. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody had easy access to in the newspaper. That's <laughs> the more important thing, you know? Yeah. And so there's guys that would, called runners that would collect these bets, take them up to the bookies. The bookies would take them up to the layoff guys, layoff guys, you know, it goes all the way up to the top of the mafia, essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that was such a moneymaker for years. Guess what? States started legalizing the lottery around the 1970s and 80s. Mm. And they realized the mob has been printing billions <laughs> off the, because, because a lot of people don't want to start getting in on the horses or sports. Yeah. But a numbers bet every week, and you throw a nickel on your favorite number. Yeah. Like, yeah, throw it on my birthday, whatever. Like, yeah. people do that. Yeah. And so I want to bring back the numbers game, but base it on crypto, where you <laughs> fucking have to pay crypto to get in it. And then it's based on like at like Greenwich Mean Time, midnights, final three digits on, and then each week. Uh, somebody each week there's a big here's the you got to get people involved so each week on YouTube it's a big drawing where somebody draws a random cryptocurrency out of the hat and it's based on the total handle sold on that for the week we got unicorn coin yeah yeah we exactly got... exactly dude <laughs> like that Ethereum and we've got hemp coin all right <laughs> like that's insanely fucking funny to me dude like and more important, it's incorruptible. Yeah. You can't, like, you, you, no one can, like, sit there and, like, manipulate that number to, to put a bet in their favor <laughs> and win it. Like, it's 
by the book. You'd have to like, have one of those like uh, cages with a bingo cage, like rolling. Oh, like oh yeah, a chuckaluck, a chuckaluck pot too. <laughs> uh, yeah, bingo. By the way, you want to make money in Vegas? Huh. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah, dude. I learned this the hard way. You just get a few uh, my cards and sit went. down. No, because like they have like you can buy the card. You got to buy the upgraded version where it <laughs> tracks it for you because they're all digital now. Oh. So you buy like a like a it's like you, they give you like a tablet type thing. Whoa! And so you you just do the upgraded version where it keeps track, so you don't actually have to keep track of it because they call so many numbers you're not yeah. going to. But in a lot of these bingo, like there's these bingo happy hours all over town where there's like no one in there. Huh. So it's like eventually someone's going when there's five people in here. Eventually, <laughs> all five of us are going to win. Whoa! <laughs> you buy in for like ten bucks, and 10, then 15 get, bucks, and you sit around and wait till you get your guaranteed or hundred bucks, two hundred dollar prize. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm in. Bingo. Um, what? Uh, so, <laughs> in all of the things you've done through the years, comedy and betting and podcasts and a lot just of that. all of, all of it what's and music what's been like your favorite part oh oh god that's a good question um my favorite part my favorite part is the drinking <laughs> and the smoking weed <laughs> and the associated ill shit that goes with that no yeah. uh, no honestly it's been all the friends i've made yeah because it's like because like okay when you're like a gambling comedian yeah it's such a niche thing like it's like that's why norm mcdonald is such a big loss because it's like there was like me him sean green there's like a handful cj sullivan there's a handful of us that were really committed to the lifestyle (laughs) and like uh dude like yeah no like like it's like, like when i first met sean it was like he and I, like, at first, it was like, oh, who the fuck is this fucking Irish prick? It was like, you know, it's like, but then, like, immediately, it's like, oh, dude, he likes sports gambling and, like, you know, and being a de- de- hardcore degenerate. And so do I. He also hates all the same people I do. And that, that was half my, like, original comedy friendships was just, oh, they hate the same people I do. Fuck yeah, dude. Like, we can get along. <laughs> we can make fun of this person together. Like, yeah. That's like what, it, and it was always like, some booker at some like runoff theater in santa monica that never Mm -hmm. did comedy but that was trying to judge us all so it's like oh we all could we could all hate them together in unison like (laughs) when i say hate people i don't mean like fellow com i never really hate fellow comics i just like choose not to talk to them anymore but uh (laughs) no so what was your okay well hey what was the question again alex favorite part (laughs) my favorite part um dude honestly uh it's the road trips Mm. yeah let's get in a car a couple other comics and like whether like from la like uh like whether it was going like up north or going on even going on to san diego like can i give a funny like road trip story because like i've talked about sean yeah, Green. of course and i don't think sean will get mad if i tell this story and it's a good one so me him and decker just our friend justin decker we all went down it was like a tuesday night one-nighter that the three of us did together at the la jolla comedy store okay and justin's originally from san diego and that was like the first club he started off at and like what and so like he like <laughs> so he got me and sean in on like and steve i think steve hernandez hosted it 
Nice. Shout out to and, Steve. And Steve Big brought room. some friends out. Yeah, he brought some friends out because he at that time Steve was pretty green to comedy, mm-hmm. but he could get some people out. And so like me and like I want to say it's the one where Decker's mom got hammered and passed out in the back booth, but you know that I, I'm pretty sure that was a different show. This is a show where there was a playoff game and me and Sean had a lot of money on it. So we're sitting there sweating out our bets in the fucking bar area. They're like, hey, you guys are up next. We're like, yeah, we know, but like, like tell them to kill time until our bets are <laughs> um so but uh on the way home, like shot like so and at the time I was living with my brother in Orange County. I should I should have prefaced with that. So like they drove down from like Burbank or whatever huh. to like Picked Orange up and pick me yeah. up in Orange. So like they had already driven like an hour. Yeah. Just to come get me. And then I did the rest of the way to San Diego, which wasn't, you know, like yeah. La Jolla, which is north of San Diego, which isn't even that far. So, yeah. um, so like, <laughs> like Decker's driving. He didn't have much. Drink. Me and Sean, like, we had a few beers. We weren't, like, drunk or anything, but we had had a few beers. Yeah. And Sean was like, so, uh, I was like, some story about how, like, his aunt met some dude on the internet. And then all of a sudden, like, the dude, like had to move back to England and said it was because of custody with his kids that he had back there that they knew about. But like his, like his whole family was like very skeptical of his aunt meeting this guy online. Mm -hmm. And then like the fact, you know, it was just like, there was a lot of red flags the whole way, but turns out he charmed everybody was super cool. Even her kids, like, like her husband either took off or like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, it turns out this guy had been operating like a pedophile ring with his lady in like Tennessee from like oh, Pennsylvania no. where they were making like kitty porn and like distributing it all over. Oof. And it was like, and, and he fucking was like flying England to avoid getting arrested and all this stuff. Ugh. So Sean, Sean's telling me and Decker the story on the way home from this show, like this one nighter at the comedy store in La Jolla. And we're like, Oh my God, like, dude, this is fucking, you should have done this stage (laughs) but like because decker and i both have fucked up sense of humor so it was like oh dude this is like so crazy then he goes yeah so then i saw my cousins a few months later at the holidays i didn't know how to approach it and finally i said hey so that shit with tom was pretty weird right (laughs) And, and and everybody laughed and he was like we all just went about the rest of the holiday weekend. It was fantastic. But he was like, I had to break that tension early on because we were all thinking it the entire time. Mm. And then once I said it, it was cool. Then... <laughs> wow. Oof. Some people, man. But that's the kind of stuff you hear on these road trips with comic. That's my favorite part of doing, to answer your question, that's my favorite part is randomly hearing the those stories nine beers deep and you're like, what the fuck is going on? on a road trip? <laughs> yeah, on a one nighter, like you know, yeah. one you know, we, we didn't spend the night over there. We drove down there, drove straight back. Like, uh, man, I I miss I, the San Diego one nighters. Those are fun, dude. Dude, I've done. I haven't done La Jolla Comedy Store, but I've done Madhouse. I've done Comedy Palace, which is I did little- Madhouse like the second week after they opened, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's and. It sucked, but I'm sure it got better. Madhouse, dude, that was a fun, that was a fun venue. Um, like the location was kind of cool because it was right in the gas lamp district. And um then there was Comedy Palace, which was interesting because like they had they had some pretty good, really expensive food. 
And also, um, it was hard to get anyone down there because not only were they like, wait, is it San Diego? And you're like, yeah, Dude, it's a little north of there. And then that's people- always the funniest thing about comedy clubs to me. Because like <laughs> everybody tries to pursue comedy as this highbrow art sometimes. It's like, fuck off. Most of these places are in strip malls and you're trying to hawk people $17.99 chicken wings and fucking fries. Yeah, and like, the ticket is $15 at least. At least, <laughs> dude. Dude. Uh, and it's a bringer uh, show, so you better bring at least 10 people, otherwise you're not getting paid. Dude, I went, I went to a show oh, at the MGM no. Grand here in Vegas a couple months ago. Yeah. I hadn't gone to a live comedy show in a while, but my, my buddy Nate Craig. Nate Craig, you know Nate, shout out. And, yep. Yeah, he was in town and uh, he wanted to hang out and he's like, hey, uh, I want to hang out with you. He basically just wanted to hang out and gamble with me in the sports book. Yeah. He's like, I'm also doing a show that night. You want me to put you on the list? I'm like, yeah, me, my girlfriend and a buddy of mine from work. We all three of us went mm-hmm. and like, dude, he got he hooked us up fat seats. But those fucking guess how much the they're charging to go see Nate at the MGM at the Brad Garrett Comedy Club. 50 bucks. You nailed it. It was like really? 45. I think it was either 45 or like 55. But I'm going to say, yeah, it was like 50 bucks a pop. And in Vegas, and, it's, a, it's a casino. They're just like, hey, you're already here. And he hooked, us up, he hooked me up with a shitload of drink tickets and stuff. Nice. So, nice. So it was like, I, I, it was mostly a free show. And I mean, I had a few extra, but <laughs> like, yeah, when in Rome. But like, that was one of those things where I realized I was like, okay, first off, I don't miss stand up. Because I, dude, I know he's getting paid fat for that night. I know, yeah. and I'm, I love to see my friend do well, right? Oh, I only root for my friends to do well. Yeah. You included, my buddy. <laughs> Thanks, but, man. But like, but like, <laughs> dude, there's a certain point where I'm just like, hey, man, I couldn't like try and entertain a bunch of anti vaxxers for the night. You mm. can keep it up. You know, like, there's a certain point for me where it's just like, you know what? I have a decent life. I'm not trying to fucking rock the boat too hard. I, I'm not going to fucking do anything to make my, and that's why I really don't do stand anymore. It's like, I felt miserable after almost every show, especially the shows I did well. Yeah. Cause I would, I would hang out at the bar after, and that was my biggest mistake. And I'd listen to these people that liked me have conversations and go, dear God, these are the worst fucking people on the planet. I hate them. <laughs> I don't want to fucking listen to a word they say. So that's why I focus more on podcasting now. Then I would hear my audience. Like they just get, they just send me nice emails, which yeah. I, I really appreciate. Speaking of nice emails, if you have anything nice to say, yamatatpodcast at gmail.com. There you go. That's how you drop. That's how you drop. A, hey, if you're listening to this and you don't fucking drop a nice email, I'm going to personally figure out where you are via my IP tracking. I'm going to rip your fucking dicks and clits off. <laughs> That's him, um, not me, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doug's cool. I'm the fucking crazy one. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I, man, I think, like, because I, I don't drink that much. I've, I've, I've had a few drinks here and there. I'd, I'd probably be able to avoid um, that whole thing of, not wanting to hang out with people who you didn't want to be around or maybe just finding a spot that's like a little bit off the strip yeah, and, I know. and like and far I, away and dude like because i i okay i am a i'm a drinker still i guess i i was but i was a big drinker like back in my yeah. old stand-up years yeah and so like 
to me it was always like when i hosted a show at el cid i used to host a monday night show there and like yeah. we would always drink at 4100 bar next door right? yeah. or just across the bridge after like you don't drink at the place like i always like like there are certain venues i like performing at just because it meant i can go drink at this place next door after yeah 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 and i'm like like there's a lot of those ones but like and out here in Vegas, like, I don't know how people fucking do comedy here in Vegas. Like, because it's like, I was just on uh, Brido's podcast last week with Shane Torres. And he was like, dude, I just did a week there. Shout out to Shane. With two <laughs> two sober comics. He's like, I wish I knew you lived there now. He's like, I would have fucking gone and got fucked up with you a couple nights. And I'm like, yeah, no, I know. that, But here's the problem is like, when people want to like come here and want to get fucked up with me, they're always like, I'm hanging out at the Bellagio water fountain. Come rescue me. Like at the end of Titanic in the middle of the fountain. It's always some bullshit. Like I'm just here on a layover flight. Come meet me in the airport bar for two hours. It's like, no, I have a fucking life. I'm doing shit. Like, and I don't want to just go to the strip and I have a million cool dive spots on the outskirts of town that no one knows about. Yeah. And I'm always like, just come meet me at one of these places. It's like not that far from the strip. You're and like, listen, meet me at the white castle. Because <laughs> well, I live on the northwest side. I live out like I live like way like 10 miles from the stripper show. Yeah. Like nine, 10 miles from the strip. So it's like, and that's like fucking forever in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. It's like I live like out on the outskirts where I'm like, I have so many cool because all the spots I've been here are like golf resort spots. Hmm. And then they're like nice, like chill, like relaxed. And then everybody that, that comes visits me, they want to, yeah, it's nice, cool suburban fucking hangout. And then everybody meets me here and wants to do, yeah, let's do DJ Pauly D at the fucking goddamn. <laughs> like, it's, let's go to Caesars. Yeah, let's go to Little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I was like, no, I don't do that, you know. But I did discover Treasure Island and those spots right there have free parking. Oh, so, nice. So I had friends staying at the Palazzo a couple weeks ago. So, and that's across the street. So I would drive over in the mornings park my car there then walk over hang out and then i'd get drunk and then my girlfriend would come meet me and drive my car home each night <laughs> they got old real quick <laughs> dude it's all about free parking anyone out there who uh runs a parking structure if, if like you, owns a parking structure you are part of the enemy of progress baby if you own a fucking <laughs> vegas casino and you're charging me parking with a Nevada fucking license plate on my car Oof. where I'm coming to you to give you money and you still want to fucking juice me on top of that. No. You can fuck off for a century. Yeah. And and how how grateful are people for free parking when you're able to find it? It's like so it's such a gem because and oh, man, if, imagine if like some parking lots just started charging a little bit less a little bit less and then and then one day it's just free people yeah, would be like dude. oh let's park there and then you'd get so much more business <sighs> dude uh like a few weeks ago uh i i went to la and i told you about this already mm-hmm. but my work let me park on they have a we have a roof parking garage like like area okay they let me park up on the roof and take an uber from there to the airport hmm. and save me Dude, it only cost me like 15 bucks for that Uber. Whereas if I would have drove my car home, hmm. it would have been like a 35, 45 dollar Uber. Yeah. And like, what's the point at that point? I was like, it's like half my plane ticket right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, shout out to Southwest Airlines. <laughs> yeah. 
that I didn't realize that $50 Burbank Vegas turnaround existed. Oh man, it was amazing. Me and Cornell Cornell Reed, one of my Shout best friends. Cornell. My my brother from another mother. <laughs> Dude, uh, I crashed at his pad the, the Friday night I was there. And I crashed in the sports gambling podcast studios the second night because Cornell was out of town with his daughter yeah. for his birthday. But me and him had a night drinking at a couple of LA bars together that we haven't been able to do in a while. And oh, I felt so alive, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, dude, this has been awesome. Plug uh, plug your podcast again. Plug anything anything else you want to. And- yeah, check out the Luxops here podcast uh, with me, Scott Bowser. Uh, I get it's like a random mix of uh comedians with really bad gambling stories and then like like guys i know who are just like not like comedians or famous or like just like a lot of times it's my brother but it's just like like real life degenerates who you get to see like the decision making on these people is just incredible and i'm one of them like like (laughs) the way we think about the world is so much goddamn different because it's always like hey how can i get a little bit of action on that you know i just want a little taste a little bit of something i don't don't need much i just i just want to make this interesting i gotta watch something i'm gonna make it interesting like a piece of the action a little 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 like uh there was one time at a tailgate because we usually have like tailgate gambling activities at ucla games Mm. there was one time where we fucking uh it was raining so we kind of sat in the truck for a minute and we just started gambling on the the raindrops going down the windshield (laughs) (laughs) like like, is it gonna break here or there? Everybody, who, what side are you guys on? And everybody takes a side. You find someone. Yeah, yeah. It's just the dumbest. We always bet the sun. What time it clears the mountain? So you know what time it's gonna sunset, but what time does it clear the mountain? And then I figured out an app for shoot for filming that shows you that. And like, I got banned from the sunset bet game. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, check out my degenerate show, the Luxops Here podcast. It's kind of And then yeah. Uh, Go to YouTube or Spotify or whatever and check out uh, the Misadventures of Frequency 4 that Mr. Robian and I made. Uh, Greg Edwards, Ed Greer, Tess Barker. Um, so, like, so oh, many. Great. Josh Fadum. Like, so many fun friends Shout came and did voices on this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Doug, like, hit me with your address. And honestly, if you're listening to Doug's show here and you want a free cassette, email me, the Luxops here podcast at gmail.com. And I will send you a free cassette just for being one of Doug's listeners. Yeah. And if you're if if any of those people who were mentioned through the whole time hear this and they're like, oh, he interviewed Scott. I'll get interviewed by Doug. Hit me up. Yeah. Hit Doug up. Because <laughs> I need more guests. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, dude, Doug, you're doing it, ma'am. You're yeah. built brick by brick. You're mm-hmm. building up. You know, hey, the key is each morning. Wash correctly. Put your socks on correctly. Tie your shoes right. right start with that foundation. You yeah. know, <laughs> you know. Start with the basic foundation with your feet feeling well. Because if your feet don't feel well, the rest of you ain't gonna feel well all day. You hear that, everybody? It, this is John Wooden stuff. Uh, don't <laughs> don't mistake activity for achievement. Another John Wooden quote. Ooh. I love that one. It's good Just because you're keeping yourself busy doesn't mean you're doing something. I love that. Yeah, it's true. You know um like a lot of people spin it, it that's for all you thumb spinners out there no. <laughs> fidget spinner <laughs> yeah. oh dude i have one of those somewhere man i need to get a fucking 
thing of Adderall and go to town on it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, uh, Doug, th- thank you so much for having me. Yeah, check out uh Adventures of Frequency 4. Check out Lux Stops here. And also, I do a lot of stuff for the Sports Gambling Podcast. And, the like, check out my friends over there with, like, the Golf Gambling Podcast. All those guys, they're a lot of fun. So, yeah. All right. Well, this has been You and Me and Thoughts and Talk with Doug Culp and Scott Bowser. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's me. (laughs) All right. Later, everybody. Later, Scott. Bye, Doug. All right.